Why don't I pray and then we'll get into it. Um, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Jesus, we love you and we're so grateful for the way you've loved us and just shown your love and commitment to us on the cross. And Father, we are so grateful that you have drawn us into your family and that we can call ourselves your sons and daughters. I just ask today that our hearts would be super wide open to you and what you're wanting to say and that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Big day, wonderful um, to be together, and some special and big moments for us. After the service, we're going to be praying for um, Miss Amy Zutmulder and for her fiancé Simon, as Zut leaves our community this week and goes and joins Simon at Link as they prepare to get married, uh, which is a very, very exciting but also sad thing. So we're literally going to practice what we preach today by praying and prophesying for them after the meeting. But we've had um, quite a big, uh, I guess, download over the last while with the restored um, team here, some of our friends from San Diego. They taught into church membership and the gospel and sexuality, which was such a helpful evening. Um, if you were there, I'm sure you were built up and encouraged. Otherwise, we will put that message online, um, and I would really encourage you to listen to it this week. But we've been in a series around life in the Spirit before that, and we're finishing that off today. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking on the topic of prophecy. Now, if you are new to church or you're new to the idea of the spiritual gifts, when I say prophecy, I have no idea what comes into your mind. But I tried to think like as well as I could about what you may have seen in movies or TV or read about in books. And it would probably be some kind of cloak figure with some kind of dark face, bit of a gloomy vibe going on, um, speaking in some kind of elven or Latin language, some mysterious, mystical picture and story of what is to come in the future. And that is not at all what I'm speaking about today. When I speak about prophecy and the gift that the Holy Spirit gives us to speak the words of God to people, I'm talking about something very, very different. And I thought maybe just to illustrate that, I'd share a story of probably the, the first or maybe one of the early significant prophetic moments I experienced. It was at Red Point Church, the church that planted us out. And it was probably about eight years ago, uh, probably about 12 years ago. It was in the morning meeting. We had a guest speaker all the way from Canada. His name was Lois de Fleurio. And he spoke a brilliant message. It really encouraged me and challenged me. And afterwards, I remember going up to him with a packet of ghost pops in my hand, for whatever reason I had them, and chatting to this guy and just wanting to shoot the breeze and thank him for the message he'd brought. And I remember Lois, after about 30 seconds or a minute, looking at me and just saying, Grant, I actually feel like uh, I've got a word from God for you, you know? And just if I can paraphrase this into one or two sentences, he said, I see you as almost like a pipe. But there's all sorts of stuff in that pipe, and God is wanting to send the water of his power through you. And he gave some details of what that looked like. But the pipe is clogged, and it's hard for that water to get through. So I believe God is wanting to clean you out to use you in powerful ways. And listen, that's a really encouraging message, but that could also be a generic message. You could literally give that to anyone, and they would probably be encouraged by that. Thank you so much. God wants to use me in powerful ways. That's so great. The only thing is that was significant for me. I was in tears as he was sharing this with me, and it just resonated because I think I'd been praying around some of those things and wrestling around what I believed God was saying to me and my calling and the purposes that God had for my life. And as he said that and some of the details that he went into there, I was just like, God is confirming what he's been saying to me all along. God is putting faith in me and telling me about what he's going to do. And as that moment kind of ended, a friend of mine, Duncan, came up. Now, Duncan had just become a Christian. He was part of our life group. He'd just gotten back. And Lois turned to him and started to speak to Duncan. And he didn't say, Duncan, I've got a word from the Lord for you. I just see you as a pipe, but you're a little bit full in the water. He didn't say that, which, yes, he could have. But he said, Duncan, you know what? I just, 
I'd love to just talk to you a little bit about the Bible. And he had this really interesting Bible. Bevan and Faye and I were talking about this a while ago. And he opened his Bible and he went to Duncan, who was this very, very new believer, had just started following Jesus. And he explained the importance of the scriptures. And he explained what the Bible was all about and how it helped us to grow and how to read it and the way he spent time connecting with God through scriptures. And it was such a significant moment for me watching him speak to Duncan, this new believer, and discipling him, giving him a word that was so relevant for where he was in his journey with Jesus after he'd just given me a very different word, which was so relevant for where I was with Jesus. And that is what the prophetic is. Lois wasn't wearing a cloak. He didn't look like Darth Sidious from Star Wars. He was a normal, everyday kind of guy using normal language. We were just connecting. He said, hey, I feel like God wants to speak this to you. And it was so relevant and powerful. And that shouldn't surprise us at all because God is a speaking God. God has been speaking since the beginning of time. And we see that in Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3, right at the beginning, the first three verses of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God is a speaking God. And as we trace all the way through the scriptures, we see God speaking to Adam and Eve. They're in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And then a little bit later, God speaking to Noah about the fact that he's going to judge the world with this flood and about the boat that he must make. And then speaking to Abraham about the nations that he's going to bring out of his loins and about how he's going to use him and the purposes to come through his life. And then to Moses, this man who would lead the people of God, how actually it says that he spoke to God as a man speaks to his friend face to face. Moses would go and be alone with God and he would lead from this intimate place of knowing God and then take the people forward. That's the way he lived his life. I could go on about Miriam, Elijah, Hannah, Samuel, or as we get into the New Testament, Mary, Paul, John, um, Joseph, all sorts of interesting people hearing God speak because God is a speaking God. And in the first part of the series, I spoke out of Acts 2, and I quoted a prophecy that is found in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, which says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Three different ways God speaks. Prophecy, dreams, visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And here's this promise that is for us today, that God will pour his spirit out on us, and not just on some of us, but on all flesh. So if you are in Christ today, if you're a follower of Jesus, this promise is for you, and the Spirit of God already lives inside of you. And that Spirit that speaks is wanting to speak through you and work through you to bless and love and impact other people. In this passage, we see it's all flesh, rich and poor, black and white, old and young, mature and immature, those people who know the Bible super well and can quote a ton of it, those who don't know there's two parts of the Bible or that there's an Old Testament Joseph and a New Testament Joseph, wherever you are in that spectrum, this promise is for you if you are in Christ. He's pouring out a spirit on you and all of us can hear him speak to us and then share those words with others so that they could be encouraged. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, we have this command from God that Paul writes down. It says, pursue love, command one, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, command two, especially that you may prophesy, command three. And I love that, 
The supernatural things that the Spirit of God does are the way of love. That the Spirit gives us these gifts and does these things through us to one, help us to love other people better, and two, to demonstrate the love that God has for us through the words we speak and the things we do for other people. God is a loving God and he demonstrates that through the gifts he gives. Secondly, God doesn't force his gifts upon us. I've often heard people say God is a gentleman and I don't really like that phrase. But here I think it's so true, you know. God doesn't force us and ram this gift down our throat or make us speak. But what God does do is say, I've poured out my spirit on you and I've got these gifts for you to use. Here they are. And he says they earnestly desire, eagerly desire the gifts, especially he highlights the gift of prophecy. And there almost should be this open-handedness in us saying, God, would you give me your gifts? Would you give me prophecy? Would you give me healing? Would you give me these things to use to love people better and demonstrate your love? And that is the part of our job that we see when it comes to the gifts, is praying and seeking and asking and receiving these gifts so that we can give them to others and bless them with the love of God. But I think probably for a lot of us and a lot of Christians in Durban and South Africa around the world, the gifts of the Spirit have become like your mom's china set. I don't mean that as a tune at all. But you know probably your mom in her home uh, has that like glass-fronted de- uh, cabinet. And it's, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, I nearly said decanter. Cabinet, <laughs> not booze cupboard. Um, and there she's got all of this china that she probably got on her wedding day or something like that. And that is fancy and expensive and special. Or maybe it's silverware. Or maybe it's the crockery and the cutlery. And this stuff only comes out of the cu- the cupboard once or twice a year. Maybe Christmas, maybe a wedding, special birthday. But the rest of the time that stays locked away. And I think for a lot of us that's what the gifts of the Spirit have become like. You know, we can see them. We know that they exist. We believe in them. But they're kind of these things we save for special occasions. Like when someone is really sick, okay, let's pray and ask God for a gift of healing now. But they get old and dusty just sitting in that cupboard not being used. And then when we do take them out, because they're so special to us, we're like really delicate and careful with them, not wanting to break them or misuse them. But that's not what God has for us. God has this desire that prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit would be things we take out often. They're not on display. They're being used and enjoyed all of the time. So very simply, let me define prophecy. It is a gift or ability to hear God speak and then to communicate those words to the right audience, individual, or situation. Michael Green says this, Prophecy is not the equivalent of Scripture or the Bible. Prophecy is a particular or specific word for a particular congregation or individual at a particular time through a particular person. You got it? Scripture is for all Christians in all places at all times. And I just want you to know that Harbor City believes that God is a speaking God and that God speaks in many ways through different people at different times. And we're a word and spirit people. You know, we love the Bible and we love to open it up and to read it prayerfully and thoughtfully and to hear God speak to us through the gift of the Bible. But we also love getting down on our hands and knees and praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me and lead me? Would you give me wisdom and direction for my life and this decision? Would you show me your ways? We're a people of both. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the key New Testament passage when it comes to prophecy. But you know what? As I prepared for today, I found something really interesting in the passage. It doesn't tell us how to prophesy or how to hear God speak. You figure in a passage like this, that would be like the number one thing you're meant to do. Now, I studied journalism, and you're meant to do who, what, when, where, how. 
Those are the questions you're meant to answer. And Paul doesn't. Paul fails. How do you prophesy? How do you hear God speak? And it's interesting because it's almost like in this passage, there's this assumption that Paul has that we are going to learn naturally how to hear God speak and be able to prophesy as we grow and mature in our faith with God. And Paul even uses this illustration of a toddler, you know, a child starting to grow and starting to walk and taking those first tentative steps to show us that actually we learn and grow in these things over time. He says this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9 to 12, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, when Jesus returns one day, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And the first thing Paul is speaking to us about here is spiritual maturity. And he's speaking to us about being children and growing up and growing in our ability to walk or talk. And I'm sure you've seen this with kids. Like there's that moment where they're starting to learn something, like to take their first step. And mom and dad go ballistic, you know. The camera is out. They're recording the details. They're cheering. They're chanting. Like this kid is, it's walking, but it's not doing it well. You know, like, why do I not get that same kind of fuss when I'm walking around? I'm walking better than this child. But this first step, as ugly as it is, as much as the kid, like, teeters around and falls over, is incredible because it is growing up, you know? Those first words where really the parents are kind of faking it. They haven't really said a word. They've just made a a noise. That gets documented for all time. The 12th of May, 2025, the word was, you know, that kind of thing. It's a very, very special moment. And I was thinking about God with us when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And some of us are experts at this. We've been doing this for a long time. Some of us are brand new. But I can imagine God with his camera out, you know. He's got your baby book and he's ready to write the details as you take your first kind of tottering step towards prophesying, towards hearing God speak and speak. And he's calling the angels. He's like, come, come, watch this. He's about to do it. He's about to speak out my words. And you do it. And it's it's nothing impressive. You're like, you know what, I just feel like God wants you to know that he loves you so much. Of course, everyone knows that, but this is a moment of faith and a moment of risk and a moment of stepping out to actually do these things, be led by the Spirit, respond to the Spirit, and I think God cheers that on, celebrates. That goes on God's fridge, you know. That goes in God's baby book for you because you are growing. And over time what happens is our spiritual muscles grow. We get better at the walking and the talking thing. Our prophecy isn't so general and basic. It becomes more specific more skilled, more powerful, and God is able to use us in greater ways. But like children, we're going to grow in these things over time. So don't be ashamed of your teetering, tottering steps and learning to live this out, because over time, naturally, we will grow to hear God speak and become mature prophets and prophetesses. The second thing he speaks about here is that we prophesy in part. And the Greek term here is saying part means partially or imperfectly. It's like when God speaks to you for someone else, he gives you a word to share with someone, it's not the whole picture. It's a puzzle piece or a few puzzle pieces that go into the big picture. It's not everything. And he says it's like when you see in a mirror dimly, you know. I often go into the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, 
just a bit of an overshare this morning. It's wonderful to have you here. And then in the morning, I also go into the bathroom um, when it's a little bit lighter out. You know, I can see a little bit more. But without the light on in the middle of the night or in early morning, I can't see my full face in the mirror. You know, if the light is on and Shell's got this really bright light in there, I can see every pore, every pimple, every blemish on my face. But in the middle of the night, if I walk past the mirror, I'm basically going to see my shape. Maybe I'll see an eye or a nose or a little bit of beard. And in the early morning, maybe I can see a few more features. And Paul's writing there to say that is what prophecy is like. We don't have that bright, full picture that you see in the mirror. We've got kind of the midnight or 6 a.m. picture, which is a little bit blurry. It's not fully there, but you get something of what God is saying to share with the person in front of you. I think that's a huge gift, you know. That is why prophecy involves revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation is what is God saying, okay? That's the picture you see in the mirror. The second thing, the interpretation is what does this mean, you know? Like Lois de Fleurio, he could have shared that picture of the pipe with me. I just see a pipe and there's some leaves in there, but God wants this water to come through. I mean, what do I do with that? You know, what is the interpretation of that? And then the application, what do I do? I've heard the word, I've heard it interpreted, and now I leave and I say, God, would you flush out all of that stuff that is in the pipe of my life so that you can powerfully work through me. I was thinking about um, just over seven years ago, Shell and I were at Brennan and Kim's wedding, and I had the privilege of doing their wedding, which is like a real highlight for me. And um, I was a hot mess uh, during their reception. I was crying a lot. I don't know why. Wuss. But um, there was this moment during that evening. I, I can't remember if it was while you were doing your dance. Can you remember what song you guys danced to? Brennan, do you want to share the song? Oh, dynamite, what a song. You should go check that out later. But whether it was while they were dancing or whether they were speaking, there was this moment where I felt like God said to me, Brendan and Kim will be your first eldership couple. And Shell and I weren't married then. We didn't have like this plan that Harbor City was in the pipeline to take this thing forward. Like none of this was going on. I just had this word from God, which I wrote down in my little journal, which was stolen later on. Um, but I wrote it down to remember with a question mark at the end, I think this is something God's saying to me, you know. You know what I think is so significant about that is probably four years later, that moment happened where they joined the eldership team of Harbor City at the same time as Shane and Sonia Cadman. I'd seen in part, you know, I'd seen this and it was true, but God hadn't given me the full picture. He hadn't said, okay, this will happen too. God had to speak to me at a different time about that in a different way. But God speaks in part. And you can see as I share that example that actually prophecy is this powerful gift that God gives to us to encourage us and to build us up and to help us to lead the church and to lead our lives and do what God is calling us to do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there are five different verbs that describe what prophecy does. The first one in verse 3 is prophecy builds up. Prophecy builds up. Now listen, I've never had the opportunity to build a house or to renovate a house, but I can imagine it's really fun and really stressful from some of you and what I've talked about. I can imagine buying a plot of land and you start from scratch with an architect. I know there's like seven architects in the room now, so you're like, cool, we're ready, we're good to go. But picking every single detail and part of this house must be a huge thing, you know? And then you slowly watch as the foundations go and the house starts to come up and then the detail goes in. But imagine God, he's sitting with his blueprint for Harbor City Church, and he's looking in at us as we grow and develop and as he builds up this church over time. And he looks according to the blueprint and he thinks, actually, that's missing. You know, we need to put the window in over there. Or why have they not put 
those bits of tiling on the roof. Or that, that room hasn't even got a floor yet. You know, that's crazy. And it's like the prophetic comes and it speaks about some of these things. Maybe through scripture or from a word from one of you to the eldership team. God speaks and he highlights things that need to be built up in this church that we could be a healthy and strong community. Secondly, prophecy exhorts. Now, exhort is one of those great Bible words that we never use during the week. Exhort is to urge or to strongly encourage or even to push someone towards something. And that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does, you know. He strongly encourages or pushes us to respond to God and to take the next steps that he's got for us to take in following him. And I think if you've been in church for a while, you've experienced this. Like one of those Sundays where you're sitting in your seat and someone gets up to preach and you're like, this word is for me. Like He's just speaking. Whoever's up here speaking, you're just like, every single part of this message is for me. It's speaking to me. God is speaking loud and clear. The spotlight of heaven is on you in that moment. You know, and then at the end, there's that response moment. What do I do now? And maybe it's come forward to the front to be prayed for. Maybe it's call that person who you haven't forgiven yet and apologize. Let them off the hook. Maybe it's start to do something you haven't been doing or stop doing something that you have been doing. Whatever it is, it's like the Spirit is pushing you towards that. And then for everyone in this room who is a Christian, there was another moment, whether it was in a church setting like this or maybe sitting on a couch with a friend one-on-one, where your friend spoke to you about Jesus, Jesus the King, the Savior of the world, and he spoke to you about the cross, how Jesus died in your place for your sins, spoke to you about forgiveness, how you can be forgiven of anything you've done and can be reconciled to God the Father, and spoke to you about stepping out in faith beginning this journey of following Jesus by turning from your sin and believing in him. And internally in that moment, whether it was on a Sunday or on a couch, there was this push inside of you, this strong urging or encouragement, I need to respond because this is true. Maybe you'd heard that message a ton of times before, but in that moment you knew, I need to respond today because this is my time. This is what God is calling me to. I need to respond. That's what prophecy does. Thirdly, prophecy comforts. Imagine as you're praying for someone, God gives you a word like this, the most common command in all of Scripture, found in Isaiah 41 verse 10, do not fear, for I am with you. And I call Dale, and I go, Dale, I just want you to know you don't need to fear, because God is with you. I feel like he's given me that word for you. And if that person is in a place of stress, find out someone in their life is sick, maybe they've gone through a huge disappointment, struggles at work, personal wrestles or insecurities, and God speaks to you and gives that to you, and you share that with that person. Imagine how encouraging that is. God hasn't forgotten about me. God's with me in the mess. God's with me in the struggle. I don't have to fear. I really do think that's a word for some of us in this room this morning. Prophecy comforts. I had a really cool moment on Thursday night. We had this gospel and sexuality evening, which uh, was quite frank and honest and vulnerable and open. And at the end of that time, someone came up to me and just said, Hey, listen, I actually don't want to talk to you about sex stuff, but... I just want you to know that during this evening, God has been speaking to me the whole time about my purpose. And they were talking about how their purpose has kind of been a little bit disconnected and how in that moment it was like God brought it together. It was this clarifying moment of God speaking, but also a comforting moment of knowing, okay, I've heard God. I know what it is that he wants. Fourthly, prophecy convinces. Maybe another way of saying that is prophecy points us to God. 
So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25 says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider or visitor, maybe you're visiting us here today, comes in, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of their heart are disclosed, and so falling on their face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Prophecy points us to God and reveals that God is alive, that he's real, and that he's speaking. We had this moment in our life group a while ago, um, it was actually quite a while ago, it was probably 10 years ago, where uh, I think we watched a DVD or something, and at the end we were praying for each other, and uh, there were three prophetic words that came through that evening. One was for me, one was for Callum, who's messed up his back and isn't here today, and I can't even remember who the third one was, but there were two people in that room who were so struck by that. They hadn't seen this before, and the one guy, his name was Dustin, he just kind of sunk back into the couch with these wide open eyes, but like soft eyes, not scared eyes, like kind of awe eyes, you know? And the other guy, James, looked at us and he said, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it was this amazing moment of people experiencing the raw presence and reality of God in a room where he was speaking specifically to people and highlighting them so that they would know what he was saying. That evening, just coincidentally, the thing that someone said to me was something I already had written down in a journal before. So it was just a confirmation of something God had already said. The last thing is prophecy instructs. It's very, very easy for any of us to prepare a sermon or to prepare a message to teach God's word. Like Tabani was saying, just by a commentary, write down some points, regurgitate it, and transfer the information Obviously, that's not what I or any of the people who preach on Sundays or any of the life group leaders who teach midweek want. We don't just want information transfer. We want life transformation. You know, we want to know God more and hear the words of God and know that God is alive and speaking. And that's one of the things that happens. I don't know if you've ever been in a church meeting or a situation where it's just like things become clear. Like you get truths about Jesus that you'd never understood before or you understood them at a surface level and it's just like they deepen or all of a sudden you just know this is how these two truths fit together. That is what happens with prophecy. It instructs us. It teaches us what is true and impacts our lives so that we change. Prophecy builds up, exhorts, comforts, convinces, and instructs. You can understand why Paul was so keen for the churches he led and planted to be prophetic communities or communities that eagerly desired the gifts of the Spirit and especially prophecy. Now, I really do think this. I think some of you in this room are like, cool, let me add someone. I want to prophesy. I'm ready. Like, let's get the chairs out of here. Let's go crazy. And I get that. That's a really, really cool thing. And we do want to create some space to pray and see if God is going to say anything just now. But at the same time, I know that for some of you, what I'm saying, you're still like a little bit nervous, you know? Some of you have maybe experienced moments before where weird things have been said or have been done. Or maybe people have just been super strange in a meeting or maybe even have guilted or manipulated or hurt you through the things they've said. When Chal and I were speaking yesterday, she spoke about a few times that it happened with her, including one time where someone gave her a word that filled her with fear. That's not what prophecy does. Prophecy builds up. It encourages. It exhorts. It, it comforts. It doesn't fill us with fear. And that's not something that we long for. But if that's you here, don't worry. Paul the Apostle dealt with this kind of thing in the churches that he led to, with the tension of actually wanting to stir up the prophetic and see that happen more in the meetings, led to both the good and the weird or the bad. 
And he writes this about this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 22, because he doesn't want the fake and weird, but he wants the genuine and powerful. And he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, which should challenge all of us like crazy. Give thanks in all circumstances, which should challenge all of us like crazy. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So on the one side, what Paul is saying is that you've got these realities that some people have closed themselves off to the things of the spirit because they've been hurt by the bad, the fake, the counterfeits. So they've said, if this is what it's like, I don't want anything to do with that. So Paul has to write to some people there, do not despise prophecies. Don't throw the good out with the bad, you know. And in the New Testament, we see a whole lot of ways that we respond to the Spirit. We can please the Spirit and we can displease the Spirit by what we do. On top of that, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, resist the Spirit, outrage the Spirit, and even blaspheme the Spirit. So we need to be careful to how we respond to Him. But the picture Paul is speaking about here is not quenching the Spirit. And the picture there is there's a bit of a fire going and you get out the fire extinguisher or the wet blanket. You throw it on the fire or you spray the fire so that it goes out. It's like Jesus is doing something in someone's life or in a moment. The Spirit is lighting a fire. He's speaking, he's challenging, he's encouraging, he's building up. And we get in there and we go, we don't want any more of that, you know. We cut out the work of God because it makes us feel uncomfortable or awkward or weird or something like that. Paul is saying it should not be so. But on the other end of the spectrum, Paul writes to us and says, maybe you, because you've seen the Spirit extinguished in the past, have gone to the other end of the spectrum and you're saying anything goes, like free for all. Like we're in for absolutely anything that even smells of the Spirit, you know. And Paul is saying, don't be naive. Not everything done in the name of Jesus is Jesus. Not anything done in a church meeting is from God. Prophecy is a gift from God. But so many people seem to have this unhealthy obsession with prophecy. So and I were talking about some people who just seem to live from prophetic word to prophetic word, you know, just like chasing after the next time God will speak to them. And they're hungry for experiences, but don't seem hungry for Jesus. I used to joke with some people and say, listen, I'll take prayer and prophecy anytime. I'd say I'm a greedy prayer or prophecy piggy. And some people live their lives like that. They're chasing after these words from God because they want the gift, but they don't really want the giver. They're not that interested in Jesus, but they do want these experiences or encounters to almost keep the fire of their faith going. Paul's saying we shouldn't be naive and open to anything like that. And there's this tension with the Spirit and His gifts. Don't be cynical and don't be naive. Don't be naive and accept and embrace anything because we need discernment and a filter of what's going on. But also don't be cynical. Don't reject everything that seems spiritual because that is also not discerning. We're not discerning the good things that God is doing and is wanting to speak and move in our meetings in those ways. We need openness and wisdom in how we handle these things. And for us, Harbor City, this is an area we want to grow in. This is an area we're not necessarily strong in as a church. I want to be honest about that. And we'd love to pray about this and see God fan into flame, not quench the fire, but fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit and the gift of prophecy among us because it is such a gift. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 39 to 40, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. Would you earnestly desire this with me? And do not forbid speaking in tongues, 
but all things should be done decently and in order. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of decent order of how we can practically put this into place. So it's very easy after today to say, okay, I learned something about prophecy today and then never do anything with it. Just put it with that, the rest of the china and the silverware and save that for special occasions. But maybe five things we can do. Firstly, is why don't you pray and ask God to give you something for someone else today? We're going to make a little bit of room for that just now. Secondly, I think life groups are such a great place to practice the prophetic. You know, you're in a lounge, sitting on couches with some friends, some people who love you, who know you, your struggles, your weaknesses, your successes, your gifts, all of that. They know you and they love you. And if you were to say, hey guys, listen, I actually think God is speaking to me in this way. Can I just share this with you? Of course they're going to be open. It's a great place to fail. It's a great place to get it wrong. It's a great place to mess up in front of a small group who are so for you. The third thing is on Sundays. We'd love to invite you to join us at 9.20 for our pre-service prayer. It's a time we pray for these meetings and where we ask the Spirit what He's wanting to say and do with us. But during the gathering, if you feel like God is moving and is speaking to you, you can come to Brendan who's hosting the meeting or whoever seems to have the mic at that time and say, I think God wants to share that. And if it's in line with what's going on in the meeting, they'll probably create a space for you to take the mic and share that and let God speak. Fourthly, what about a text or an email? If you think God is saying something for someone or something for the church, I'd love you to text or email me so I can share that with the elders and we can discuss that. And fifthly, why don't you keep a prophetic journal, a little prophecy book. Get a notebook today or this week and start to write down anything you think is God speaking to you. It could be a scripture, it could be a word, it could be a picture, it could be a phrase. And over time as that book builds, I mean you might get one thing a year, maybe ten, As that book builds, it's such a cool thing to look back and say, wow, God has been speaking to me about this stuff over four or five years now. We want to grow in this. I think Harbor City, Jesus is leading us and he's teaching us to be filled with and grow in the gifts of the Spirit. And the gift of prophecy is this powerful gift that builds us up and helps us to follow God and to walk with him and obey him. So we want to be this kind of church a church that is radically centered around Jesus and that is filled with and empowered by and led by and speaking the words of the Spirit. So can we eagerly desire this gift together? Why don't you stand with me and we're going to pray. If you don't mind closing your eyes, I'd just love to pray for us for two things. The first thing is for the gift of prophecy in our lives. The second thing is actually even now, that God would give you prophetic words for someone in this room that you could share with them after this meeting to build them up and encourage them. So I just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I say I eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And I believe we as a church are growing to eagerly desire this gift. And I ask you for the gift now, Lord. We want to receive it. We want to unwrap it. We want to enjoy it. And we want to use it. And I just think of all of us standing together in the space now, would you, in the way that you speak to each one of us, give us something, whether it is something basic, like God wants you to know that he loves you, or you do not need to fear, whether it's an elaborate picture, or scripture, or something else. I ask you, Lord, to give us faith, give us the courage to share these things, and give us words to build one another up and encourage one another. We welcome you in this place, Lord, and say, would you speak to us and lead us and build us up as a church, we pray.